approached in back alleys by strangers when you have a dog. Over here fighting the neighborhood rapist. (laughs) (laughs) Jax will eat your fucking face. You're about to have some severe issues. (laughs) Preston over here. I don't know what's going on with the local beer supply. Can't get it. I'm going to blame it on COVID. It's yet another reason for me to hate it. But Kristen can't find blue moons in bottles. So we got cans. <laughs> and I couldn't find Bud Lights at the gas station today. They did have Huckett's at the um, store whenever I bought your beer earlier today. But I have so much blue moon because you bought me such a giant case. And I don't <laughs> drink anywhere near as much as you do. <laughs> I was like, that's just irresponsible to buy more yeah, beer when I, I have all this beer. I tend to have a six-pack of an IPA and some sort of piss water to kind of walk me into it. That's what us alcoholics do. And, uh, yeah, they're out of the Bud Light over at the gas station. So I had to buy Bud Originals. I got Bud Heavies for the first time in years. Is there a flavor difference? Yeah. It's all just sucky no matter what. Basically, it's just piss water. <laughs> but the other one proclaims itself to be the king of beers. Did you just try to cheers me with a can? I did. I'm, I've been at work all day. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. But now you're home and we're having wings and motherfucking rings. Wings and motherfucking rings. We're going to talk about the brain. And we're doing the podcast, motherfucker, because, yeah, I worked 50 hours this week. My back hurts. My brain is dead. I worked the dispatch line all week. I got up early with you. But I chased my motherfucking dreams. And what are those dreams? What are those dreams? What are those dreams? I don't know, but one of them is... Welcome to the Nightmare Box. <laughs> Presenting Mistakes Were Made. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across in the beautiful, the effervescent, the soon-to-be-asleep due to her new cannabis oil uh, obsession, Kristen Blue. Yeah, I bought some new lotion. It smells nice. <laughs> I bought um, face cream because they proclaim, which I highly doubt, that it will help slow down uh, aging signs and yeah. uh, help with inflammation, which that may be true. Um, I think it definitely helps with the inflammation. I, I doubt think it lotion, slows down wrinkling. I think lotion in general slows down wrinkling. Yeah, but I think you way more regular about it than I am. I am not very good about it. And this dry climate is, like, really getting to me for the first time ever. I have dry knuckles on my hands. There you go. I was like, oh, my God, I have ashy knuckles. <laughs> I'm windswept. <laughs> so, yeah. Kristen I, is translucent, by the way. So this is her first time ever being ashy. And that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I don't get ashy. Like, I don't have dry skin. That's not a problem I have. But now that we're in the West and then... It's not humid anymore. I have ashy knuckles. <laughs> so I bought, yeah, uh, cannabis, oil, body lotion, and yeah, face lotion. the CBD type. It did feel weirdly tingly for like a second there when mm-hmm. I put it on. Like I don't feel any different now, and it's been on for probably a good half hour, hour ish. So it's not like calming type stuff like you would with like a CBD I vape pen or something? It's hard to say with that because I had just gotten out of the bath. Yeah. So I was like feeling kind of relaxed already. <laughs> I don't feel any different. Might want to try it before you go to work. You know, just scrub it on and be like, hey, I don't feel like killing everybody in traffic. bring it with me and slather it on every hour. What are you doing? I'm fuck hand sanitizer. I'm just lotioning up my hands. I was honestly just hoping it would help with like, um, like I, since I have curly hair, I do get like bumps and stuff on my skin. Like when I shave. Um, Oh. Yeah, the hair, cause the hair. I was thinking the hair on your head. I was no, <laughs> like on my skin, like from where I shave, I get like bumps and stuff on my legs. So I was hoping maybe it would help with that. So that's more what I was thinking. I was like, maybe it'll help get rid of 
Bumps from shaving. Maybe, but we're not here to bring you a beauty <laughs> podcast. We're here to talk about shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking with you. <laughs> It, that's not. It could I, be helpful. I also use lotion. It's my only thing that I that Nivea, because <laughs> I have tattoos. <laughs> Is that good for tattoos? Yeah, it stops oh. them from fading. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But, but cannabis oil would too. Well, I'm gonna try it later. <laughs> but anyway, I'm um, a major proponent for cannabis so, in all forms. <laughs> back to stuff related to the show, as Max attacks the cat post next to me. Um, I was reading an article. I, well, they don't climb in there anymore. They used to do that at the old apartment, and they stopped doing it because of the litter boxes there now. And, like, in the past two days, they've both climbed in there. Fuck it. He's eating strings like an there idiot. You go. My son is a special, special little This herbal. is a special, special divergence. <laughs> <laughs> like, what we're going to talk about today, my cat, you know, is having issues. I was alone all day. Okay? I understand. I understand. I got I'm here up, for you, love. I got up just as early I'm as sure you did. sure it was did. a long day. <laughs> <laughs> I got it just as early as you did, and I've been alone all day. And now I've lost my mind. It's okay. Talk to me. What did we learn when you were alone all day? So I read an article. Um, I, I follow... Um, this, they have a website and all that, too, but I, I follow on Facebook this page called No Film School. I follow and them on my news app on my computer when I'm coming up with show notes. I like to read you. those articles. Yep. I didn't know that... Is it from their website? How does I, that work? I don't know how the news app works on my Mac, but like you can search for topics and then it'll just, you know, you can save the topic itself and it'll pop it up and then they've got like their channel for news, which is, it's probably just shit from their website, just direct articles instead of having to scroll huh. through all the things. It's kind of neat. I didn't know you could do that. Fascinating stuff. I'm a news person. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I follow uh, No Film School on Facebook, and um, I don't actually socialize with real people on Facebook. So my yeah. feed is a constant uh, battle between uh, ads on things I've recently Googled mm-hmm. or Facebook pages I follow, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's all I see in my feed all the time is just either ads or I just pages follow, I follow hardcore right wing people and hardcore left wing people and my feed is schizophrenic as fuck right now. Well like I don't interact with those people so I don't yeah. see any of their posts. Like even people I'm like friends with or in my own family or whatever, I don't really see their posts because we don't interact with each other on Facebook and algorithms. Like, we learned yeah. about them. Yes we did. Which <laughs> We're going to talk about AI. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I don't really see hardly any real people post. So yeah. um, I was scrolling Facebook today and uh, a No Film School article popped up regarding AIs. Hell yeah. <laughs> and yeah, Brett and I did recently watch... Is that Artificial Intelligences? Is it... Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> AIs. The, the technical term, intelligences. <laughs> <laughs> what was that show we watched? It was The Social Dilemma, I think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think okay. that's it. So there's a show on Netflix called, or a documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma, I yeah, believe. Yeah, which will be a huge hit once people stop going, I don't want the, what you said. What, what did you say before we started? I was like, it? I don't want to feel like, bad. I know I'm going to like this, but it's going to make me feel no, bad. I was like, I'm going to feel bad because as soon as we turn it off, I'm going to go right back to doing what I was doing. <laughs> so then I'm just going to like feel guilty that I'm contributing to the problem. Um, but you didn't check your phone during the documentary, so you're a strong soul. Do. I always set my phone to the side because my time with you is my time with you. I know I'm so sweet. (laughs) Um, But yeah. The Social Dilemma. Yeah, so we watched this uh, documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma and it did exactly what I knew it was going to do. It made me feel shitty about (laughs) how much I use my smartphone and how humanity's all dying and we're doomed. Yeah. Um, 
And why we have a Twitter president. Yeah. And it's just <laughs> kind of scary if you think too much about it, like how heavily we rely on technology and it's terrifying. Yeah. Um, it's the whole point of Terminator. Yeah. Like how, how we're kind of giving up ourselves to some extent with a lot of this stuff. So I, I saw an article from no film school today, um, about this AI that they've, uh, like an actual professional colorist who's like made a career out mm-hmm. of, um, doing like coloring film yeah. stuff, uh, created the software that's AI driven where basically you can pull in your footage and give the AI a reference point. Mm-hmm. So if you have one single image you've color corrected um, and you have several shots from the same location or this, you know, same scene or whatever that you're trying to make all kind of look the same, you can tell the AI to match the one that you've corrected already and it'll correct the rest of the film as close as it can to what you've done. God damn. Or, uh... Can you break you, that up in, like, scenes? Or does it color correct the entire thing to blue? Well, I'll, I'll explain okay. in a sec. Uh, or, um... If you find somebody else's work that you like in particular that's similar to what you're trying to color oh, correct... Oh, that's some bullshit. Yeah, so no. if, if you're shooting in some Shining-esque looking hotel and you find a scene from The Shining that you like, you can tell this Kubrick, AI... Kubrick, my film. Tarantino, my film. You can tell film. this AI, yeah, my film. ...to attempt to color that's correct to up. match that reference point. That's bullshit. To be fair, it's AI... You, you and... filmmakers have had it too easy for too long. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. I don't have uh, <laughs> anything in my computer that can write scenes for me. Which is something I do kind of want to talk about. Oh, uh, we're going to talk about it because I'm, irri- yeah. I'm irritated. Let's go. Um, and, and to be fair, it's uh, a program, so it can only do so much. And um, if you're not shooting in like the proper format or whatever, yeah. there's only so much range it can go to anyway. Like if I was trying to color correct something off of my old camera that I had. It doesn't have as much dynamic range, so there's only so much you could do with it versus the camera that I just recently bought yeah. is going to be able to be a lot more flexible with the coloring. Um, so, yeah, and it was saying it struggles with certain things where if the lighting's like a little more blown out or whatever, but yeah, yeah. basically if you just have a kind of normal lit scene and you find kind of a moody, like blue toned so you just scene. have to yeah you're like i want like the blue green of the matrix you Kinda, know yeah. and instead and of can... accomplishing the blue green we're just gonna go okay make it that and then it, and it's got limitations you know it's gonna be based yeah. off of kind of how your scene was lit and how it was shot and stuff like that so it can only do so much but yeah the idea that you can basically tell it you want it to copy something else and it'll try to get as close as it can is kind of frustrating that's ridiculous i mean like kudos to the person who invented this shit how how much does this piece of shit cost no that's definitely something we're gonna get to um i I think the original intention because it was created by someone who made a career out of coloring uh film i think the original intention was to save time because whenever i color correct my film i do it all by hand um so I will initially, when I'm going through my shots, yeah. try I, to neutralize my shots. So I will tell it to kind of um, correct the whites and stuff so it'll neutralize everything so the whites don't have that weird yellow yeah. pass sometimes that you get whenever your white balance isn't perfect. Um, 
So I will individually go through all of my shots and neutralize the shot. And then if I want a particular scene to be kind of blue and darker mm -hmm. and moodier, I have to then try to turn up the blues and turn up the contrast and like yeah. do all that stuff myself. Like you do when you're dicking around to make a Facebook picture yeah. type thing. Yeah. yeah. I want my table to look more red. Yeah. So yeah. I, I have to do all of that myself by hand. And then um, in one shot, you can color correct the entire shot that you've done, even if you're like cutting back and forth between that shot and something else. If you color correct the original shot, then all of the shots are matching it. So you only have to do each shot that you did. But mm -hmm. if there's two different camera angles, I have to color correct both camera angles yeah. as well. So it's just very time consuming. And yeah. I think the original concept of this program was I color correct the first shot and then tell it to match my own work that I've done already. Mm -hmm. But again, the problem is you could steal someone else's uh, signature yeah basically. yeah you could, you could steal that I, the problem that i see with it is like a long-term type issue not the first generation of the software um i could definitely see how that would work you understand the concepts you know when you want to go outside of the lines and color with something else but a second generation of this is just it it, it I don't know, it's like a paint set that you're given, like a color wheel, and the color wheel is never going to change, you know, like you have red, yellow, blue, green, you know, like what is going to inspire you to create a new and interesting, you know, color for the film Well, I think out? too, like my concerns, there were a couple of concerns that they kind of addressed, and then they were like also like, yeah, like they're going to... Second generation. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. going to be the grumpy people who are like, it's killing creativity, but like my concern is, and this was something they brought up in the article for one... I think it limits it for sure. I don't think it kills it yeah. at all. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, you do still have to do some of the work yourself, and they did address, like it's not meant to be the finalized version, like it'll do... It's a scary part. It's <laughs> terrifying, and it's the first version. <laughs> like it'll, it'll do the best it can and then you're supposed to go back behind it and polish the yeah. look so it's not meant to be like done done after the program runs its you know uh, software but like my concern and it's something that they brought up in the article is that it's definitely going to kill off at least some jobs it's not going to totally kill off the mm -hmm. colorist job as a whole but um, you know, it is a tedious task to do all of the shots individually and on higher budget films. Like they have assistant editors yeah. and assistant colorists. So if this program is now basically it's like your what assistant, software programs did for people who used to do what I do, the editing of yeah. writing. Yeah. <laughs> so you're killing off probably at least a couple of assistant colorist mm -hmm. jobs because they're going to have the software be the assistant and then the actual editor is just going to come back through and polish it. So we're eliminating jobs for one and then also I think um and I'm guilty of it myself like having access to like Instagram filters and just mm -hmm. um photo editing programs in general that have built-in filters where you can just kind of crank up or down the intensity of it yeah. and you don't have to put as much thought into it like I do that myself to my cell phone photos you know is going to make it where the next generation of people who are doing color work for film don't fully understand how it's done because they're letting the software render it and they're just kind of fine-tuning it. Yeah, much in the way that, you know, the word processor... Oh, sorry. Okay. Burping. <laughs> That's good for podcasts. Um, much in the way that, you know, the editing software just in the word processor um, has made people shittier spellers it's mm. it's limited the vocabulary you're not sitting there with a thesaurus and a dictionary going what is the perfect fucking 
And I'm guilty of that, like too. It's not love. It's, you know, what is that synonym? Let me grab my other book and then yeah. learn how to write it. Because I have autocorrect on my phone turned on, and I'm guilty oh, me of too. that. I'll, like, half-ass spell something and let it fix it for me, and that's why my texts are so atrocious. <laughs> I go to Google constantly just to be like, I think this is it. It's not even recognizing it. All right, backspace. Okay. Phonics. <laughs> But I think for I had me, somebody asked me how to spell laundry at work the other day, and I was like, "Hooked on phonics." You know, my mom was one of the early pioneers of hooked on phonics, which is probably why I do what I do. She used me as her test animal, and <laughs> I was like, "Say it slow," and he's like, "Laundry." And I was like, "Slower," and he goes, "Laundry," and I was like, "No, laundry." <laughs> laundry. <laughs> an if you put an O in that word, I'm gonna bottle you. <laughs> I think, too, the thing that kind of irritated me about this is, so this AI software, uh, it's still in its beta version right now. They haven't actually made it um, available to the public. It's going to be available in October. So for the beta testers, they let them beta test it for $99 for the entire year. And initially, I thought that's what it cost. I was like, oh, that's not too bad. That's 90. awesome for yeah. 99 bucks. I was yeah. like, 99 bucks for an entire year uh, of access to the program? I would pay for that. That's less than a dollar a day. Like, I would buy uh, at least a year's subscription and give it a test run because it's a subscription-based program. Mm -hmm. You can't outright buy it. Um, that's just for their beta testers. This program costs $99 a month. Motherfucker. Or if you want to go ahead and pay for a full year's worth of access to it, it's $999. Forever? Um, no, that's for the one year. And then the next year... So you, by you, month you're paying like an extra $400 to use their shit. I'm bad at math. No, so it's a little bit. So that doesn't bit. work out. $300. $999 versus $1,200? So per month. So $200 a dollar. I think it's only like... Bucks I'm not. Questions. I'm not anyway, stuck up on the anyway, math. I yeah. think it's a bullshit. The, po the point <laughs> like, is, this whole laptop cost about a grand. <laughs> yeah. The point is, yeah, it's like ninety nine dollars per month, and like I don't know how their subscription runs. I know with the subscription I have to Adobe Creative Cloud, it's slightly cheaper if you yeah. sign a contract to agree to pay the monthly fee for a full year. So I think. If you don't agree to a year's worth of service, you're looking at paying like $70 per month. But um, with Adobe Creative Cloud, if you agree to use the subscription mm -hmm. service for the entire year, it's only $52. Yeah, I'm um, not hating on the business model. This dude did it. I mean, but, he's going to sell a lot of fucking idea, units, but it's going to ruin what he does. <laughs> like the idea behind that, though, like the Adobe Creative Cloud comes with. And this is if you buy all of the programs. It comes with Photoshop. It comes with Adobe Premiere Pro. It comes with After Effects and, like, a whole list of programs that Lightroom. Um, I think there's, like, an editing program for if you want to edit Yeah, it's like Snapchat a Windows videos. suite where it's like, hey, just in the yeah. event that you ever need to draw up fucking charts, yeah. we've got a so, chart thing. Like, for 52 bucks, basically, you get, like, I think it's probably a good 15, 20 programs. Yeah. And... If you know how to use those programs, like incredibly complex like programs that you can mm -hmm. pull off these crazy things with, I mean, you could literally make an entire movie on these programs, and all this color software does is We've color correct. We've done it three correct. times. <laughs> yeah, like all this color software does is color correct the movie. And granted, it does it for you. It doesn't require a ton of extra effort on your part, but the idea that... 15 to 20 programs that are these incredible programs that encourage creative energy and creative output 
in their mind is less valuable than letting software do some work for you. Yeah. I mean, like, fade-in, I guess, I'm trying to relate it to what I do. mm -hmm. Fade-in is the screenwriting software that I use to make the films that Kristen shoots. Mm -hmm. And I use it because that's how they taught me how to write screenplays because it stops you from having to fuck with all the formatting. So, like, in school, there were, like, a week on formatting, and then you were like, okay, well, I hope you remember that for the rest of your career. And fade in automatically, you know, a couple of keystrokes, and I can pop into scene, and I can reference, like, a whole reference book that Mm -hmm. they've got. And I want to say that was, like, a two or $300 one-time purchase. No, it was less than that. Oh, yeah, I was thinking Scrivener. Scrivener is an animal that I don't even pretend to understand. (laughs) I use, like, one-tenth of what it does. Yeah, fade in was, like, 60 bucks. Yeah. And, like... It doesn't take away any of the creative process. It just basically does, like, the, the formatting, formatting and then kind of organizes it for you because you can reorganize yeah. stuff. And It's the difference between, like, word processor and my typewriter. You know, like, I don't need to scroll down every line. It's automatically scrolling down for me. Mm-hmm. Start a new paragraph, automatic indent. <laughs> yeah, and, like, even DaVinci Resolve, which I, I didn't have to buy it separately. It came with the camera that we just got is only basically $300 outright and then you own the program for the rest of your life and I'm pretty sure they give you free software updates. Yes. Yeah. And like fade in does. Yeah, and it's a video editor, a color corrector, um, you can do um, audio work on it. I don't know that you can really do special effects on it. I, th- I think there is some stuff on there. I don't know that it's quite as intense. But when it does all of that, you can fucking grab that file and move it to your special yeah. effects thing. Yeah, so literally... After three months of using this AI color software, you would have bought a program that you can literally, once again, make an entire movie on. And, like, that's just crazy to me that we would think that having marginally less of a difficult time doing a job and not having to think about it ourselves is more valuable than having the skill set. Well, the price point... That bugs me, too, because the price point is set for established professional who can afford to throw that amount of cash Well, I thought, too, if if they don't require you to sign a full year, if you can literally be like, I just want to buy the program for this one month and that's it. If you and I were doing a feature film and it was a lot of stuff to edit, I might realistically throw a hundred bucks you know, add it for one single month's worth of service, yeah. and maybe they're hoping for that, but, like... Like, if we had a complicated shot that we wanted a very specific way, if we were like, I need it to look like this thing from train spotting when he looks in the mirror. Yeah, you know, so, I mean, like, maybe that's kind of their hope, is, like, people will just buy it as they're using it for projects if they're not, you know, professional colorists, but... Yeah. I, just, I can't imagine professional colorists are going to pay $99 a month for a skill they know how to do themselves. Yeah. Unless they're just trying to bang out freelance <laughs> projects. The audacity to charge that fucking amount of money yeah. in the middle of the coronavirus is fucking insane, yeah. too. Because it's like, we can't even get a cast and crew on a fucking film. <laughs> Maybe that's the point. <laughs> You're gonna, you know, it's cheaper so, than hiring yeah, a colorist. Hi- hiring six people that can't sit you know, within six feet of each other to fucking color your film. No, it'll do it automatically. But that's so fucking limiting. I can't. I don't have a program where I'm like, make this sound like William S. Burroughs. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's such a bizarre concept, too. Yeah, what if there was a program where you could be like, hey, I'm writing a novel about this. Yeah. Write the rough draft for me. Yeah, I want to be as good as Hunter Thompson. Do it. Yeah. It's like, I've got a man, I've got a hut, I've got a spear. 
Right the rough drift. Mm-hmm. I'll come back and polish go, it. Go computer, go. I know you're <laughs> terrible at making music. I know that about computers, but auto-tune also fucking ruined the early 2000s. So. <laughs> Speaking of which, Marilyn Manson's back, but I won't, I won't die. <laughs> That's for another <laughs> Thank you. you. What would you do if they did come out with a... Auto-tuned Marilyn Manson no, album? No, I'd uh, shoot myself. No. Like a <laughs> writing software that you could give it basic concepts and it would give you a rough draft. Like if you could... Tell it, like, these are my characters. This is this A, B, is the C. Yeah, and it would give you... I would firebomb the CEO's house. <laughs> I would drive by with a Molotov cocktail and try to fucking take him out like it's 1954. <laughs> I, I do feel like I don't does. think that would work against a guy that's smart enough to come up with technology like that, but I'm going to attempt it. It'll probably bounce off his bulletproof glass. I'll be gunned down by his private security agents. I, I do I'll try to get them young. I think it takes away some Build of the a time machine, go back creativity. in time, and kill Because I mean, like, I mean, that's the whole reason I, I would imagine why there's not AI that'll write for you is AI basically learns from patterns. AI isn't actually a creative thinker. Yeah, so, it can only repeat what's already been put into it. Yeah, from what it's learning, and like, yeah, they can kind of evolve and learn on their own, but it, it's it's not, like I said, an intellectual being that can form original creative yeah. thoughts. And it doesn't like, critically think about the information. It just dispenses the information like many of the people in our country, right? Yeah. I just, I mean, like, I feel like that might kill off an entire career or a passion in a specific skill set yeah i feel you i'm a writer people don't read i mean not that i want to be a colorist but i just that makes me sad for people that i don't want to die an editor i just happen to be really good at it and so people will run their drafts i see it every day i read the news every day not the big news i check those headlines and i go does that look like a story i need to read nope don't give a shit um but I read the local news for both here and for our old hometown, Murrabur. <laughs> I read that every day. And every day I find a ridiculous typo. And I was like, that could have been fixed by just hitting fucking spell check. Like, you, you know there's not two R's at the beginning of reporter. How do you have the name reporter and you can't spell the fuck? Like, I have those tangents every day. It never fucking ends. My people at work. They throw me into uh, everything that gets... I'm the new newspaper guy for the place that I work at. Um, And any copy, any reports that are going to go legal, like they run up to me and they're like, can you spell check this? And I just whip out my little blue pen. I go, that's dumb, that's dumb, that sentence doesn't make sense, that comma doesn't go there. (laughs) We've talked about it on the show before. It's a skill that I have that people don't understand like how important it is. Like yeah. I wouldn't have understood how important a colorist is until you've explained to me, like, holy fuck, that is a dude who made that scene at the beginning of Goodfellas and that, that red mood. and that black. Yeah. <laughs> and like that's a good point that you made just then. Like there is um editing software well, that thank can... you. <laughs> Compliment tabletop. <laughs> um there is editing software that can <laughs> fix like mistakes with punk punctuation or spelling or whatever but like software can't tell like the sentence doesn't fit here yeah like, or if you're flow. using the wrong your like it's yeah. just now learning that and that happens in your newspaper every day two two and two <laughs> um, those are the t- yeah if you're ever going to edit anything in your life those are my two things you're two 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 there 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 and you're your 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 you run all of those bastards 
through the find word. I don't care if there's 5,000 of them. Make sure every single one of them makes sense because if on page 535 of your fucking big ass Moby Dick takeaway, if you fuck up your, I'm going to laugh at you and throw the book across the I room. like there, there, there because it sounds like you're condescendingly patting someone on the head. <laughs> there, 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 there. <laughs> there they are. <laughs> but I, I'd like it. it had me thinking... There they are. Where? Over there. There you go. There's all three of them. Just take that away. Teach it to your children. <laughs> but seeing that whole... And then watching the documentary on Netflix as well, but seeing that whole article and like kind of thinking about how prevalent computers are mm-hmm. in our world now did kind of have me thinking about the value of the human brain and um, whether or not it actually affects... Like, our choices as far as who we end up being, like, our career paths and stuff like that. So, For sure, yeah. We couldn't be podcasters fucking 30 years ago. Yeah, but... I, but I, we could be radio people. <laughs> but I don't mean like that. I mean, um... Like, Hello, this is Brett and Kristen in the morning. <laughs> Let's make child rape jokes. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, specifically your personality type and my personality type. Like... Yeah. Would we have fit in doing anything else, or is this specifically how we work and how we are as people? That you are a writer, and I am a filmmaker, and we do have a podcast. Or in another world, could you exactly as you are have been an accountant or whatever? Which is your biggest fear? <laughs> um, I don't think there's any shot of Brett Bloom being an accountant. <laughs> my brother, sure. My mom used to be. <laughs> no, but you specifically, like yeah. the way that you're hardwired. So. um I think everybody has heard the term right brain, left brain before. Can I answer the first part before we go into the second part? Yes. I, 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 I am convinced, and I'm, God damn it, I'm going to been at work all day. <laughs> I'm going to blank on the name of the fucking hospital. Um, famous insane asylum in England. Bedlam. Bedlam. That's the derogatory term for insane people. So Bethlehem is the current name of the hospital. It's the new hospital, the old what was called Bedlam at the time and is now in England. And they an hired a PR person. Yep, then they hired a PR person <laughs> because everybody was going, what are you, Bedlam? And, you know. I think I would have made a more dramatic name change. Bethlam is still very similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I went to the uh, Bethlam, um, I don't know what the term is, but it used to be what they called an Yeah, I think it might be Bethlam Institute for the mentally something. But it, it was an insane asylum at the beginning. Um, and walking through it as a person with bipolar disorder who writes the way that I write and not not literally, you know, like my signature or anything like that, but the whiteboard behind Kristen where all the words are like coming in and fucking little splotches and there's lines all over the place. And my brother is gay. So I'm walking through the thing going, me and Ben would both be here (laughs) if this was 50 years ago, you know, a hundred years ago. We'd be sitting right here in these walls. We wouldn't have had an outlet. So I I can appreciate the technology for delivering outlets, but I think that there is also, and I don't want to be the old man, but there has to be like a limit on how much the outlet does the gig for you. Yeah, and that's you could be a stand-up comedian. Lenny Bruce got shit all over for doing that shit. You know, Joe Rogan makes a hundred million dollars on a fucking Spotify deal. Yeah, and that's part of what the social... But it's just a microphone. Nobody's writing the jokes. <laughs> yeah. and that's part of what the social dilemma was about, too, is, like, technology is kind of a double-edged sword. Like, there's been this beautiful growth and, like, us being able to connect with each other, but also how much are we giving up and 
we need to start regulating this and stuff like that. So I think that's why this is healthy for you and I personally, because it guarantees at least two hours of eye contact. The phones are put away. We have a conversation. We don't even think about, you know, you. <laughs> you people. Yeah, I don't, um, to be honest, invest a ton of time in uh, the editing either. I don't edit out the burps because I'm like, ah, it's organic. You guys can live with it. <laughs> um, but I, there is this myth that still kind of carries even now um, that we are like hardwired one way or the other that like literally because you and I do creative stuff we use the right side of our brain yeah. and I guess yeah, the yeah. left side is just dead oh, it's supposed to be like logic <laughs> and like yeah. all that shit and then that whole like concept of you're only using a certain percentage of your brain yeah. too is just like so sorry absurd. I can't do math I'm a right brain person <laughs> it's like no I can't do math they lost me in the third grade I never recovered yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm sure literally everybody knows what this is, but uh, if you're a right brain person, you're supposedly more intuitive, more creative, and a bit more of a free thinker. If What's the name of this thing? Uh, th that's later. That's oh, the personality okay, cool. thing. This is just the right brain, left brain, like theory. I've got you. Uh, in bad. general. Didn't mean to cut. <laughs> uh, left brain people are more quantitative, analytical, and ruled by logic, supposedly. Mm -hmm. um, and. That was kind of a myth that people believed for a long time. I think even as a kid, I believed it, that if you were a creative person, you used more of your right brain than your mm -hmm. left brain and vice versa. Um, and if not... you're a serial killer, there's a good chance that both of those sides got damaged and you lost <laughs> your ability to form a conscience. And that's why you're currently raping a decapitated woman. The things you think about. <laughs> but sure. I had to um, explain global shit to a dude at work today because I got lost in a Wikipedia article and of course I'm not going to remember the dude's name either um, but like a hundred fucking years ago he was working on a rail yard and they were setting out like blasting taps and I guess you have to like tamper the dynamite down with a big fucking mm. steel rod I think that's what was going on but um, he turned to talk to his crew turned his head opened his mouth to speak the explosive went off it shot the rod all the way through his fucking yeah. head and he survived. Did he kill people? I don't remember. He didn't that. kill anybody. No. Yeah, but the, just... the rod took out his left temporal yeah. lobe and completely changed his personality. Was he like and moodier? It, and... Yeah, he was moodier. He cursed a lot more. Yeah. He moved to Chile, uh, which as a country whose language he did not speak to be a stagecoach driver. That's weird. I didn't know that. Yeah, like he just became a lot more reckless and died of an epileptic seizure like 12 years later. But... Um, the the damage to the to the brain. Cut. Yeah, I forgot where I was. So going. I was reading an article. Drinking. Um, <laughs> I was reading an article on I think it was Harvard's uh, website, which was mm -hmm. talking about that literal exact thing. Is that there is no such the same thing. dude? No, but I was the, like mind melt. No, like the we're fucking there. <laughs> no, the concept of it. Um, that there is no proof that um, there's a right and left. Yeah, that creative yeah. people are right-brained or logical people are left-brained and there have actually been studies mm -hmm. where they did scans of people's brains yeah and it's show... the equivalent of being like i feel bumps on your skull you're gonna be a criminal <laughs> yeah <laughs> they did uh scans on people and studies showed that there was no difference in activity um as far as people went for being creative people versus logical people and they scanned a lot of people um but Obviously, the hemispheres of the brain are divided up based on specific things, so that was something they were talking yeah. about. Like, if you have a seizure, 
um, you can do damage to the hemisphere of your brain that controls your language and stuff mm-hmm. like that because there are sections of your brain that control yeah. certain activities. So when you're doing a like particular activity, certain sections of your brain will light up a yeah. bit more. But that doesn't mean... That just means more blood flow to a particular spot. That's well, all we know Well, those neurons are firing. Yeah. So, but that doesn't mean like you only use your right brain or your left brain or your more like yeah you're permanently right brain <laughs> yeah or, or that your one side is more dominant than the other like your personality has nothing to do with which section of your brain so, you're using the weird shit is i'm right-handed which is technically a left frontal cortex activity they did say that, that god damn um, it i keep thinking i'm going to drop new knowledge on you you made notes i have no notes this is this is genuine organic brett is good at jeopardy knowledge happening right now folks they did mention that that there were um, certain sections of your brain that can or control certain body movements. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, your uh, left section of your brain um, controls your right hand. Yeah, I write your... with my right hand, so <laughs> technically I'm left dominant. <laughs> but it doesn't actually affect what kind of person you are. Yeah. So from there. Because I have done the Myers-Briggs test before. Okay. Can you explain? Because I have no idea what yeah. this is outside of it involves four yeah. letters. So um, I, I knew, having gone into reading this article, that the left brain, right brain thing was a myth. And I was kind yeah. of just looking for information in general to kind of discuss Everything that. I know about the temporal lobe I learned from behavioral analysts who yeah. have written books <laughs> about um, serial murder. <laughs> but I, I have done the Myers-Briggs test, and it is an interesting test. And I was personally wondering how valid that test was and whether or not um, having those type of results about how your personality works affects what you go into. Because Brett and I were having a discussion last night about if you have a particular personality set are you going to be more um suited for a particular job specifically we were talking about like for a film or whatever but like if your personality works a certain way is there a specific thing on a film set where you might be a little bit better at it and i have no clue um because <laughs> i'm not a psychologist but um like i said i've done the myers-briggs well test, i think so. you pointed it out earlier some people are born colorists well, I mean, I don't know that born. Maybe they take a, a fascination and they like color. They yeah. probably were painters when they were very young and then found yeah. film. Yeah. Yeah. So, like me, for instance, I just liked creative endeavors in general. Like as a child, I um, used to draw, and I am honestly just a little too OCD to draw. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would get frustrated with it. It would take me months to finish one single drawing because I needed it to yeah. be perfect. I would nail one eye, and then the other eye would be wonky, and, and, and then that I would, would erase the eye, yeah. and then have to redraw the eye. And I would just keep doing Hence, that until there were my smudges. Michael Myers only has one eye, and it's black. <laughs> <laughs> and I would just keep redoing it until like the page was just smudges, and I'd have to start a whole new picture. Yeah. And like I've done... Um, a little bit of painting, a little bit of charcoal works, just similar problem. Like I'm too personally OCD to have, um, drawing or painting or any of that be my creative outlet. Like I, I was into theater. Cause you'd never let go of the project. You'd always find like the one little thing yeah. like you do when you edit film. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I got into theater and stuff like that. And like ultimately was just very anxious and very unhappy because I am an introverted person. So were being, you, were you in any plays? Yeah. What yeah. play? Um, so my high school's theater program was a little bit of a joke. Um, <laughs> they didn't take it seriously. I know a lot of high Are we school... naming your hometown? Uh, no. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, it's rural. 
<laughs> as Bell Hicks once said. Um, but like a lot of a lot of people that I knew that also did theater, like they would do like literal published plays and do these yeah. performances. Yeah, yeah. Um, my hometown was not like that. We did a ran spring... through the one red light. <laughs> no, no uh, my hometown wasn't that small. You had to drive through that town drank to get in, to the drank city. Drank in the truck bed in the fields. <laughs> but no, so like um, we did a spring play and a winter play, mm. and both of those plays every single time were um, student-run plays. So you could only be in the theater program if you were a junior or a senior. They wouldn't yeah. let underclassmen in at all. The seniors uh, pretty much wrote and directed and produced the plays and all that. So my junior year... So you um, did original plays. Yeah, we, we had to make our own. My junior year, I acted in both of them. I don't remember what they were, to be honest. Because, mm-hmm. again, the class was kind of a goof-off class and nobody took it seriously. Um, my senior year, I was very much into theater and acting and stuff like that. So I wanted to take it seriously. So I... Um, wrote the winter play i directed the winter play what was it called i don't remember what it was called but i can tell you what it was about um when i wrote it i directed it i casted it and i also acted in it (laughs) um because nobody really wanted to act in it they just kind of wanted to like get an a in the class so i had to do pretty much all of it myself but um the concept of the winter play was basically like the spirit of christmas so we had like all these like um scenes that kind of ran together with like very popular christmas characters so the grinch was in it i had to play cindy lou who for one of the scenes <laughs> and then i also played mrs claus like santa was in it um it's like a fan fiction for the the winter crowd basically <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was like this kind of intermingling of all these characters from all these different stories kind of meeting each other and like growing and like kind of um learning the spirit of christmas yeah. uh because like i think santa claus if i'm remembering right was kind of a irresponsible like drunk character that mm-hmm. like ran off and was trying to avoid his responsibilities and i had to play mrs claus and i was like what the you know fuck a santa yeah, who like, would have thought that's together? the story you created that you would have grown into <laughs> <laughs> where the fuck is my drunken husband god damn it but it was it was kind of funny because he literally ran out into the crowd because it was a big auditorium yeah. so he was like running around in that's the crowd cool. you broke and, the fourth wall yeah Very and so awesome. i was on the stage like where is he at like looking out <laughs> into the audience and like when the lights are shining into your face, you literally cannot see. see the audience. Yeah, yeah, so I had no idea where he was at. So we literally had to be like, you have to be in this corner at this point of the place. So I can be like, there you are. Get back up here, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was actually a pretty in-depth play. And That's it was awesome. Fun. Um, but, yeah, I, I... But you're more introverted as a person. Yeah, so, yeah. like, I, I thought for, like, a long time, because I also modeled and stuff like that and did fashion shows, like, that was what I wanted to do because it felt... Like a creative outlet, but I always felt nervous and anxious and just miserable. Why'd you do it, if I can ask? Because I'm introverted, so I write words on paper, mm. and I'm very nervous about the film Brainstorm <laughs> that I starred in. Because um, my acting abilities are fucking terrible. I didn't enjoy the process. I don't enjoy watching it. I did it for you, because we can't afford actors. <laughs> Uh, I really, really like. I used to cut. Is this a form of cutting? (laughs) (laughs) No. I really liked growing up watching movies, like watching really emotional scenes and feeling not necessarily the exact emotion that the character's feeling, but just that tightness in your chest where it's like, I'm feeling things. Like, I'm watching this really sad scene and I'm feeling it, you know? But you are it. Yeah. That's um, interesting. But, I, maybe that's why you have more sympathy with actors than I do. 
But I, I liked Love that. You, I liked yeah. I liked watching movies and like having that sensation. So it's like I want to create that sensation in yeah. other people where they're watching something and they feel that tightness in their chest and mm-hmm. they feel like this connection like with this moment. Like it's real. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's why I we're thought... basically just magicians. Magicians <laughs> of a shit hand dumped. No pun intended. <laughs> but yeah, that's why Card I, trick I, joke. I thought You're not hear those everyday people. <laughs> That's why I thought I wanted to do that stuff, and then I realized over a couple of years, like I was constantly miserable about it, and then yeah. I'd watch my own stuff later and be like, "This was not any good. Like, I this doesn't make me feel good." And um, like that's when I started doing like behind the scenes stuff instead, and so it like made me wonder: Is there some validity behind this personality test establishing what you are actually better at? Okay, um, the Myers Briggs. Yes, Myers Briggs. So, uh, I'm sorry, I've, I keep derailing you, you off do. your notes. <laughs> you do. I have so many notes that we haven't addressed. Okay. But it's a talk I'm, show. So. Fuck it. <laughs> I just got off work. I'm having fun with my wife. Love you. I love you more. Um, love you most. Nope. So this, this caught me off guard. I did not know this, and it does make me think um, it probably is in a bit of a need of an update, and supposedly they have updated it to some extent since, but it was invented in 1942. Like, it's pretty old. Like, I did not realize it was that old. Yeah, the M. Naughton rule was developed in the 1800s, and it's our definition for legal insanity. Yeah, so that was one of the things they were arguing about with this, is this was invented... You still live off the Constitution. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, that was one of the things they were arguing about this, though, that it was invented before psychology was really respected as a science, and how much validity... It's still not. Yeah. <laughs> how much validity can there really be to something when we didn't really understand these concepts in the first place? Yeah. Um, but it was invented by Catherine Cook Briggs and her daughter, Isabel Briggs Myers. Uh, I did think that was interesting that she put her daughter's name ahead of her own. So. Sex, sexist me says, I thought it was a dude. No. Two women. come up with a personality um, test at that time. But That's they did. They did follow. I can't remember his name. It was Carl something. But they did follow. Sagan. No. <laughs> they did follow <laughs> oh psychological God, studies <laughs> um, from a, a male psychologist that kind of inspired their work. Um, Carl the, Young. No, I don't remember what it was. I don't think it was Young, but it was it was a psychologist, and they really liked his work, so they spent years like developing this test. Um, so what the Myers Briggs is. It's uh, 93 questions that assess specific categories of your personality trait. So there are four categories on the Myers-Briggs. It's uh, introvert versus extrovert, which is where you get the I versus E. Uh, Intuitive versus sensory, which is where you get the N versus S. Thinking versus feeling, which is T or F. And then judging or perceiving, which is J or P. Mm -hmm. So you could, in theory, be an INTJ or, you know, some variation of these letters. Um... But there have been a lot of critics about the validity of the test, whether or not they think it actually works. The fact that it's older, they feel like it needs to be updated. A lot of people don't think four categories are enough to accurately assess a person's personality. A lot of people who take tests that put you in categories tend to self-aggrandize, hoping for a particular outcome if they know what the things are. Well, the problem, I want to tell my friends I'm an introvert and everybody's sharing their things on Facebook. So well, now I need to this, get an eye. Do you like being around people? I hate it. <laughs> the problem with this test is you can't actually affect your own results. If you know what the questions mm-hmm. are leaning towards, you can purposely skew it one way or another. So 
you can't necessarily guarantee how accurate it's going to be because you can change your own results. But Fun side fact, that's why uh, psychology is viewed as only recently a science. Because <laughs> you can fuck with your therapist, yeah. too. <laughs> if you understand, yeah. But there are companies that, like, hire people that, like, literally go off of the results of this test. Yeah. Um, and the critics of this test, you know, are upset that people aren't necessarily that black and white, that we can't necessarily be stuck into... Calm down. It's 2020. Oh, yeah. <laughs> African-American and Caucasian. But that we can't European. be defined so specifically mm. in the fact that it is 2020 and we're evolving so rapidly. Like, we're evolving our understanding of gender, our understanding of sexuality. Of course, yeah. Like, all these different concepts, like... You can't be like, oh, someone is strictly introverted versus extroverted. Like, I like to go out and have a fun time. I don't like strangers. I love going to a bar with my friends. And if anybody but my friends meets me at the bar, I'm mad. Yeah. You've ruined my evening, person. You like, you like eavesdropping on strangers? <laughs> I like eavesdropping on strangers. Dropping them eaves. I like learning weird dialogues or hearing strange stories that they tell their friends that they don't want me to hear. But fuck it, I've unplugged my iPod. Like, I, I, I got bothered by the dude both at the courthouse and at the bar when we got married because he was like, are you a movie star? And it's like, I, I'm talking to my new wife. <laughs> you like leave me the fuck alone. Celebrating I'm not here wedding. to party, dog. Like, I'm here to talk to her and her alone. <laughs> I'd go to Fat Willie's. I know, a hilarious name. Promise you it's a real bar in Murraybury. Yeah, it's Murfreesboro. And I, would, I would go with three or four people and I just want to hang out with them. I don't want to talk to the dude shooting pool unless he's hilarious. <laughs> I do think that's interesting though because I've never thought about it in regards to this test per se but I would classify myself as an introverted person but when I'm comfortable with someone and they're a part of my inner circle I tend to be a little more extroverted with the people that I'm close with so what like, does my test say if it's I'm a lot cooler talking to meth addicts and schizophrenics than I am talking to anybody else in a Walmart just because they're unpredictable people and I find them very entertaining? Results inconclusive. <laughs> it's a, you got all 12 letters, sir. You don't want to be talked to except for by the nuts people. I mean, you talk to those people until your fucking ears fall off. But no, that, that, I mean, that's an interesting concept because I would have... Like, exclusively been like, I am an introverted person, but it does depend on the situation, and so, yeah, like... If you're comfortable, if it's a room full of 30 people you know, you're going to be buzzing around that room. If it's a room full of 30 people I know, I sit on the couch. Like, talk to me at your own will. I'm going to be on the couch. <laughs> um... And then there was also kind of the critique that there are other personality traits that are equally important, so one of the other ones that they mentioned um there were like critics that were saying there were at least five or six because the myers-briggs is only four categories there were at least five or six personality traits that you needed to take into consideration that are considered major personality traits mm -hmm. and i say that with quotes because <laughs> people are very complex people uh, but some of the ones they recommended that should be added that yeah, are left my off my friends can call me asshole call me asshole in traffic i'll get out of my car and beat your ass <laughs> at the red light <laughs> um and a good point because that's where i'm getting <laughs> that's where i'm getting some of the categories they recommended Brett does not derail <laughs> some of the categories that they recommended should be added as a consideration or whether or not you're honest and humble versus being um deceitful and conceited or 
whether or not you're patient and agreeable versus quick-tempered and argumentative, that <laughs> um, those are equally important traits to analyze. So, um, and closing for the Myers-Briggs, but I'd like to open up a discussion about whether or not um, personality traits kind of affect who you end up being. Okay. But in, in closing for the Myers-Briggs... Short answer, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, they basically, the early article I was reading, um, said that it wasn't perfect, but, and I think you'll like this part, it does provide insight into understanding yourselves because it causes you to talk and think about who you are and that the true power of the Mauer, Mauers, the true power of the Myers-Briggs is in the power of introspection because it motivates us to change our own condition. That's the same reason that I, when I do therapy, I do talk therapy. I don't do drug therapy. Um, marijuana excluded at certain points of my life um, which I use in conjunction with talk therapy if you're looking to become a medical marijuana patient I always say do that and get a shrink because nothing is better for you than being high and talking to a therapist so they'll ask you all the right questions and you'll answer them and you'll think about them because you're stoned <laughs> Hit me with the question one more time. I lost myself. Uh, whether or not ultimately our personality traits do actually affect who we end up being. Like I, like we have free will in what we do with our lives and who we end up being. And is this concept of you're hardwired with a personality or a left brain, right brain or whatever affecting oh. who you end up being like, yeah. actually a real thing? Or are we totally free to make the decisions that we make and we make the decisions that we feel like are best for us or are we programmed to be this way I, I i hate to break it off into religion but like one of the ways that i learned to deal with my own brain like i could place blame on people who quote unquote you know made me this way it's mm -hmm. like i'm angry because so and so did this or you know i'm upset because so and so did that and that's what I think I was getting at a minute ago is I do behavioral cogn or yeah, is it cognitive behavioral therapy? Yeah. Basically what it makes you do is reach down deep inside yourself and hug your little fifteen year old self and be like, Hey, you were fifteen. Quit putting twenty nine on fifteen. That's a whole other thing, nature versus nurture. Exactly. Well, I think it's very similar. The the world impacts you much the way that your parents impact you. I think the experiences that you go through create different people, you know? Like, my mother is a fighter to the fucking end. She's been through hell and back in a lifetime. She's, you know, grown up in England. She was married to my dad. They created this. <laughs> and then she got divorced. She went there. Dad died, you know? like. But she, for whatever reason doesn't get any enjoyment out of drawing. She likes reading. She mm. likes reading a lot. And she likes watching trivia shows, which is where I get both of those activities from. But she's not a writer. She likes that almost all of the offspring are creative in one level or another. Like my brother is a, you know, a, I want to keep calling him a lawyer. He graduated from a great law school and he's going back to get his master's degree Apparently because the rules he's in England are different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's great. Um, that way argumentative 
is the best way to you know express sharp-witted sharp-witted he likes bending the moment you know so he's creative in that way he can come up with very creative arguments but he doesn't paint he only writes if he has to and he's a very good writer when he's emotional about something but he can't draw that he can't draw from that well all the time you know once or twice a year he's got a really good point and he will hit you with five paragraphs it'll blow your fucking brain right out and i expect that eventually he'll, <coughs> he'll come to the side and start writing um we had the same experience he became a more analytical person i mm. said fuck it i'm you know moving to montana <laughs> yeah he moved to London to learn a degree, you know, law in a country that he wasn't raised in. He was raised in Tennessee and uh, around guns and black people. And then he moved to London <laughs> to do something that is, I, I would be bored to tears. I like reading about laws. Like, I like reading about law room scenes, but I don't want to be in so, a suit standing upright in front of a judge going, Sir, I demand my defendant's clemency in this fucking... Like, fuck that, dude. So that's the thing we've talked about a few times, just, like, personally. Like, you don't feel like you could be happy in a regular job for the rest of your life. Regardless. I have a regular job, and I'm not happy. <laughs> Do you feel like... It specifically has to be writing, or do you feel like you just kind of found that and that was what you loved the most? Or? Writing is my favorite part. I really, really like podcasting, mm. and I really, really like making films with you. But my favorite part about making films with you is writing them yeah. <laughs> and then trying to overcome the obstacles. Like, I like the challenge of making a, a low budget film, I love writing them. Um, and I like podcasting because it's creative in its own weird way, you know, like I feel like it helps people. Like I feel like I'm trying to, with the show, help the little 15 year old me who didn't have a voice on the other side of the phone that was like, this is a viable option. You can do this. Mm. And I think a lot of the reason why I do what I do was because I, what I, I perpetually a pissed off 15 year old going, what the fuck do you mean? I can't do this. <laughs> I don't know if I answered your question. I mean, yeah, I just, I, and this is a hypothetical, like drunkenly tangenting after a 10 hour <laughs> fucking shift. So and there's no real way to really answer any of these questions because I don't know the answer for myself either. Yeah. But, like, like for me, I guess, I, like we were just talking about a minute ago, like, dabbled in creative stuff and then kind of just wound up in film. And um, I guess it turns out making them instead of being in them is, you know, my favorite thing about them. I think that's but what I, I like about you. Like... I respect people who see the limelight and are like, I could be out there dancing around. And it's like, or I could be the reason why they're dancing. Like, <laughs> but, like, I, I wonder, I guess, if, like, I had been, like, I don't even know. I, I mean, I, I, I briefly wanted to be a writer, and I briefly, briefly, briefly double minored in writing. Um, You're a great writer. You write really well. But 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 my point that I'm making is like it wasn't enough of a love to stick for me. So like do you feel like it was always going to be writing or did you just kind of get there on your own? Like I like I'm just curious with this concept of like 
or were we hardwired to be the way that we are? Like, was I going to be a filmmaker no matter what? Or is it just I feel like thing? I was hardwired to express myself. Yeah. Um, writing was just how... Writing was a way for me to do it. Like, I couldn't start a garage band or my dad would have literally killed me <laughs> via foot stomps. Like, <laughs> Actual like, garage band, not the program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> if I... If I bought a drum set and I was just up at 10 o'clock at night, Dad would have stuck one of those sticks through my eyes. Um, it was a violent man. Awesome. It's complicated. He's dead. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I was bound for expression in one way or the other, and I like a silent expression because to me it's not like a money thought. Mm. It's not a fame thought it's a therapeutic thought my mother called it a catharsis last week said oh you're gonna write your little memoir that'll be so <laughs> cathartic and I'm like I, I i'm actually wanting to do it and like hopefully this is part of the hero's journey yeah <laughs> but part of my journey as well like a dream that i've had since i was like 16 or 17 is to establish myself write a book that sells a shitload of copies and then donate everything to a suicide prevention hotline that saved my fucking life when I was like 14. <laughs> like, like, that's really what I want to do. And I don't know. Like, you got funny people on the back of the bus. And I'd like to say that I'm a funny person, but I'm not a comedian. I listen to comedy every day. It's one of my favorite fucking things. I, I buy a new stand-up album a couple of times a week. I bore you to death with them. I fucking <laughs> Hannibal Burris, my new obsession. I'm like going back and listening to everything that he ever did. I love comedy. I've been on stage maybe five times. I liked the feeling but I didn't feel like it was my passion it felt too exposed yeah. with a pen I can kind of hide away from it and be like this is still my creation but yeah. you don't have to look me in the face while I'm crying behind a typewriter yeah. <laughs> that's kind of in 2020 it... I still have a typewriter royal built in 1912 <laughs> that's kind of how it was for me too like with theater even though the lights were bright enough you couldn't really see the audience i couldn't disassociate with the fact that they were there and they were staring at me yeah and... you can't lose yourself in things like that. Yeah. that's why i get nervous behind the camera or in front of the camera it's like be upset and it's like why don't you just let that fucking thing roll <laughs> I, don't, I don't tell you what to do though when we're making a movie together and like i, I... know but i wrote the character and the, just the fact that i can see the cameras like i don't want to be this like i want like i've, I've lived it in my head i don't want to act it out yeah I... and like i did a um i don't want to say the tv series because i don't want to promote it because i don't agree with it but uh, i did a little short movie for a very religious tv series because we live in the bible belt and yeah. um i played like i was a, a security guard for a gypsy <laughs> wedding show <but laughs> i played um because it was a, like one of those reenactment little show things i played a prostitute because they were telling the story of this yeah. woman's journey and kind of how she got out of the situation that she was in and i remember there was this one scene where we were filming um me like walking into I think the apartment after I had left my pimp was the situation. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was kind of a 
like, oh god, my life's falling apart kind of moment. I hope you and didn't do that with the shoulder shrugs yes. and the hand movement. Yes, that's Jesus exactly Christ. what I did. No, I was carrying in luggage and they wanted me to toss the luggage down and kind of just look defeated, but it's such a short passing moment because you walk into another room and the kind of build up to this mm -hmm. breakdown is in a different room and they kept being like, can you like be a little bigger about it like throwing the luggage down or like whatever oh and i was like God. like what do you want me to like flop over on the floor and start wailing yeah. like i'm supposed to go into the next room so it just like it was like so hard to be in the it's moment like you want me of... to be a clown or have you never seen a prostitute like what is <laughs> yeah, it like it was so hard to be in the moment of like this like exhausted like i'm disassociating like i'm kind of broken down like i'm just flopping the luggage down and then i'm gonna go have like my breakdown yeah. in the other room because they kept being like well let's do it again and i was just like fuck man like yeah. i can't why even... doesn't my character <laughs> put it down defiantly hold it together open the door and then struggle to carry the luggage in and that's where the breakdown happens because that's where it happens in real people yeah but i think that was for me like kind of that realization of like it didn't matter if it was on stage or in front of a camera like i could not feel the vulnerability of the moment when people are like no 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 no, do it this way like, that, but that's not how I feel. I, I understand that completely, because it's like when I'm writing Brainstorm, tentatively titled Homework Assignment Number Three. <laughs> um, when I'm writing it, I feel the emotions that cause the character to pull the gun out. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm acting it, I feel like I'm acting it. It's yeah. like I don't feel the same rush I felt where I was like, this is the muse whispering in my ear, literally in the film. It's a brilliant film. You'll never understand it. <laughs> um, but like I felt this thing come over me when it hit the paper that made it hit the paper that I don't feel when I'm playing pretend. Mm -hmm. Like it's my issue that I'm always going to have with most actors. Not all actors. I think some of you are actually on to something I don't understand. They're mathematicians. I don't respect them either. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, of course you do. That's why I'm well, yeah, off on a tangent based <laughs> off what you said, I guess. I, I, like, I struggle too, though, as a director with what the balance is in that moment to not be so intrusive that you're pulling your actors out. Um, like with the dolls, I think the only time I kept making them redo takes was when they fucked up the lines and I was like, we've got to do it again. Like, you've got to get the line. At least um, close. Yeah. yeah. But like, as far as their performances go, especially with the kids, I never at any point was like, I need you to do it this way or I need you to do it that way. I was like, look, this is what's happening. React. Go. Yeah. Yeah. And so like. That's why I like working with kids. It's like it's still just make believe. Yeah. It's like be scared. And they're like, I can do scared. I've been scared. Yeah. <laughs> it's not mm -hmm. you know adults going. I just got off my job at the bank. <sighs> Hello, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> and there is a delicate balance where you do have like the Stanley uh, Kubricks that pull out these incredible performances because he basically drives his actors mad. And he had Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Who is already mad. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, pulling your actors out of the moment by kind of nitpicking at them. So I'm still trying to find that balance myself of at what point do I step in and go, I need a little more. Yeah. And at what point do I just kind of let it organically flow? 
Do you think that your I need a little more is in the cut, let's reshoot, cut, let's reshoot? Do you think like if you're looking for frustration, you frustrate the person to make it no. come out of them? No, not intentionally. Um, I, I That's like Kubrick's to... move. So I was saying if you did something no, similar in I a like different way. I like to one. let them play out. I don't like to let my actors feel defeated. So whenever they drop a line in the middle of a take, I'm like, just keep going. It's fine. Like, we'll cut around yeah. it. So I, I don't like to make them feel defeated by, like, their own like getting lost in the moment so yeah no like even whenever you and i were filming stuff i was like it's fine if you mess up the line filming brainstorm (laughs) yeah i was like it's fine if you mess up the line yeah you got a lot of good b-roll out of it (laughs) (laughs) because i was like i can cut around literally any of this so like what's the purpose of making you purposely feel defeated or anyone Mm -hmm. else that's in any of the films feel like they're failing at it it's like just keep going it's fine we'll pick back up you know so no i i guess to me i want to it's one of those personality traits that's going to make you a great mother. <laughs> I, I want them to feel like they're succeeding. Yeah. So, yeah. I haven't found the balance of finding the performance, though, I guess, because <laughs> I, I struggled with it myself. And I was like, ah, I'm failing at this, and everybody hates me, so I don't want to make other people feel that way. Maybe that's the reason for shitty writers. Like, there's <laughs> no other people. Like, you're there, dog. Like, <laughs> You have to be able to look at that and edit that. And if I read something and I'm like, that's horseshit, and it's your fault. Like, <laughs> 100%. You didn't have an actor who couldn't get the line right. Like, you didn't get the line right. You didn't give a shit enough to go back and fix it with the analytical part of your head. <laughs> Do you think, um, I don't know, if circumstances in your life have been different that you would have chosen a different path? Or do you... Yeah, if I got to... hugged, like, once. <laughs> I'd probably be teaching right now. <laughs> hey, guys. You want to learn about there, there, there? There, there, there. <laughs> That's an interesting thought. I wouldn't thought. be screaming into a microphone at my kitchen table after work and fucking, yeah. Go on, I'll cut your dick off if you... But again, you and your... your you and your brother grew up in the same environment and he took a combative career yeah. i took a peaceful career and made it combative i mean we're very similar people you know? but like i have two sisters and i only one of them Me is too. a creative like sort you know like she does graphic design and she likes video i'm the games. only one out of us four <laughs> <laughs> and then my other sister is just uh hands-on just worker kind of personality yeah. so my niece is a painter which one? Taryn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a sister named Taryn. I know. It's cute. You ready to go make some wings and yes, rings? I'm, I'm so sorry hungry. to deflate this, but no, I feel so like we're hungry. slowly losing momentum. I'm hungry. That was a very informative episode. I'm very fucking proud of us. That was cool. Brain I learned stuff. a lot. Brain stuff, but then the beers hit, and I was like, I, I, I need On food. empty stomachs. <laughs> I mean, and the food. food's going to take an hour to cook. Yeah, it's going to be a whole issue. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, in the next hour, if you will, uh, send us an email. Uh, oh, also, well, we'll get to that when we do the YouTube. Uh, nightmareboxproductions at Gmail. Or you can hit us up on YouTube. YouTube.com slash nightmareboxproductions. Brainstorm is almost at 2,000 Brainstorm. views. Brainstorm. 2K. Keep, keep clicking it. Keep clicking that. Click, click, click. <laughs> <laughs> Keep, cl- <laughs> keep clicking that bastard. It's all, we're Send at it with 1. your friends. 9K. Send it to your family. I want to hear people in Saudi Arabia's takes on America's suicide problems. Or you can go over to YouTube.com slash Kristen Bloom. 
where you can see all the things she did back before she was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can go to Twitter at? Uh, At Nightmare Box Pro. Or the Instagram. At Nightmare Box Productions. Or most importantly, our Facebook page. How is that most importantly? Facebook.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. I'm running out of things to plug. The website would be most important. The website. The website is technically the most important. It's the nightmarebox.blog. Where you can see all of the films. You can read all of the scripts. There's some old stories that I'll eventually fucking fix. I got it. I know. I'm not good at it. Tell my boss to fire me. <laughs> um, and uh, is there anything else? I think that's all. Rate, review, share it with your buddies. We uh, desperately want to get part-time jobs. So uh, we're nowhere near that goal. But we could be with your help. So, uh, I love you guys. And I love you, sweetheart. I love you. And, uh, my laptop just died. So, why don't you bring up another topic? Um. Head, head shoulders, shoulders, knees, knees and toes. Knees and toes. Jax looks like he's miserable. Miserable. I'd really like to fucking eat dinner now. Dinner now.